to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. How many of you remember these things? Tonka trucks, right? Tonka trucks are, if you are, it doesn't matter whether you're a boy or a girl, they are fun. And if you are, my, 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 I remember growing up as a kid, we had these, you filled, you put whatever you want in them. They, they're not allowed inside. Um, but, you know, you do whatever you want. And I remember one, one year, my, so my parents got divorced when I was in third grade. And then um, when my dad remarried, um, I, got, I got two new siblings. I got a brother and a sister. And so my brother, you saw him on stage, Matt, that's my brother. Um, so one day we, we, had, we all had this idea and this plan to have a Tonka truck race. And so what my brother Josh and I did is we took, we have a tetherball pole in our backyard. You guys know tetherball? So they're concreted into the ground and they're a big steel pole. So we took a chain like this, attached it to the tetherball pole, okay, like this. We attach the other part to the bottom of the Tonka truck, like this, and we all started at the same point, okay? We went and got my parents, my whole family, we're all, we're all outside going to watch this race, and I'm racing, I got the free Tonka truck, Matt's got the chain Tonka truck. Why we invited my parents outside, I don't know. Don't know. Because... You know, when you come to the end of the chain, the Tonka truck stops. So in our race, that happened. The Tonka truck stops, and Matt continues to go forward. He flies over the Tonka truck, scrapes his face and his chest. I I didn't think that all the way through. So another point to you parents, if you have a boy, they don't think things all the way through till, I don't know when that, when that really happens, because for some boys, they're still, I was talking to a buddy, and he ran into a cactus on his dirt bike. Um, so thinking things all the way through, I don't, uh, maybe when you're 80, Anybody 80 in here and you still like, eh, I don't even know if I think things all the way through all the time. That might be just a guy thing, but that's what makes us warriors and reckless and go after things that other people wouldn't. And so we do that, and this chain comes to the end. And, and the thing is, that race would have gone so much better for Matt if it didn't have a chain on it. You see, here's the thing. What if Matt continued to race that Tonka truck with the chain on it? How many of us were living lives with chains stuck on them? And we're not living the free life that Jesus desires to give us. You see, these are so much fun. And our life is meant to be fun. It's meant to be lived. But when we have the chains of life and the chains of sin still stuck to us, even though Jesus has set us free, we cannot live the life that God has given us to live. So today we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah, Jonah chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at setting ourselves free from the chains that so hold, so easily hold us back. You see, it would be foolish to keep the chains on. It'd be foolish if we lived with the chains on in our lives. Let's pray. And Jesus, Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for today. 
Jesus, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you desire to set us free, Lord, from the chains that this life, that sin holds back on us. Lord, I pray, God, if there are chains holding us back now, I don't know what they are, Lord, but if there are chains holding us back now, Lord, that you would set us free. Help us realize, Lord, that we are free. Help us realize, Lord, that you've broken every chain. Lord, that in you, and it's only in you, that freedom can be found. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the things the world has called good and that you call evil. Lord, help us to realize, Lord, that you are a good God who loves us and you're so full of grace. God, I ask that you'd speak to us. Speak at your people all over the valley, Lord. Speak to your people, not at your people, to your people all over the valley. Lord, no matter where they are, Lord, if they're a valley life, desert breeze, Desert City, Lord, I pray for my friend Jared over there, Lord. Bless him. Heritage Church, my, my friend Jason, God, I ask that you just bless them. Lord, bless us here at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. If you go to the app, you're going to hear us talk about the app a lot because it's going to make your life so much easier. If you are a phone user for your Bible and the U version, I talk about the U version Bible app all the time. If you just click on that on the page there, the U version Bible, I'm trying to find it, the study current series, read more, it's going to take you right to every passage I have right there. Make your life so much easier. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. So let me catch you up. Some of you might have missed last week. If you did, you missed Taco Sunday. So last week we met a guy named Jonah. Jonah is, um, in the people of Israel's eyes, he was a very awesome, very religious, very outstanding man. He was a great guy. Very religious, very political. Stood for the things that he felt were right, and he was, he was so political and so religious to a point that he picked who deserved God's grace and who didn't deserve God's grace. He picked his people Israel. They deserve God's grace and love. The Assyrians, anybody outside of God's grace, anybody outside of his own Israel people, they were not deserving. And so when God called him to speak to a people that he felt didn't deserve the love of God, he said, no, God, I think you got it wrong. I don't think you know what you're doing. I don't think you, you really know uh, how to love God, and I think this is the wrong way. So I'm going to make a choice for you. I'm going to help you out, God. I don't want you to look like a fool in front of everybody else. I'm going to run away. So he gets on a boat, and on this boat, this huge storm comes, and, and the guys are all freaking out. Jonah's sleeping in this storm. And, and the guys wake him up, and they say, hey, pray to your God. And they're like, who's your God? And he goes, well, my God's the one that made the ocean and all the water and all that kind of stuff. And they go, what? And they probably cussed at him, I would assume. They're sailors. Um, if you're a sailor and you don't cuss, I'm sorry for judging you. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I, I just assuming they're probably rough, tough, and they're not believers at all in God. So, so they say, hey, okay, your God did this? He goes, yeah, my, my God, I, it's my fault that this is happening. He goes, they go, well, what should we do? And he goes, throw me into the water. So after some convincing, they toss him into the water, and then the storm stops. And that's where we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. So Jonah here, he's in the belly of the whale for three days, uh, not whale, a fish. We don't know. We know that God appointed a fish 
some people, I know, so maybe you're in here today and you're like, Jeremiah, this is exactly why I don't believe the Bible. I get it. A story of a man who gets swallowed by a fish. It's so weird and he lives. I get it. But we also believe in a Jesus who died and rose again. So if we can believe in a God who died and rose again, we can believe in a fish. It's not that hard. We can definitely believe in a God who made a fish that it's only, that for all we know, this, is, this fish's sole purpose in life was to swallow Jonah and God had an apartment set up for him inside that fish's belly. We don't know. God's making you an apartment in heaven or a mansion in heaven. He can make you a, a home inside the belly of a fish. Don't know how this all works. But he's in here. At what point did he start praying? I mean, did he start praying as soon as he started sinking? I don't know. I mean, when you get to the end of Jonah 4, we really don't see a repentant Jonah. We see a very self-centered Jonah who's mad and always pointing at somebody else other than himself. But at some point, and at the same point for each of us, we all have to be willing to admit, it's my fault. We have to be willing to admit, it's my fault. You know, we live in a culture where everything is somebody else's fault. It's our parents' fault. It's our teacher's fault. It's society's fault. I, don't, I, I, I didn't grow up with enough, or I grew up with too much. That's why I'm so selfish. That's why I'm so self-centered, because my parents bought me everything. Or the reason why you always want is because I never had anything, and my parents never bought what I wanted. And, and we have all these reasons. You name it, we blame it. Until we come to this understanding like Jonah, where Jonah says in verse 3, says, for you cast me into the sea. Who cast him into the sea? Do you remember? Whose idea was it? Jonah's. Who threw him into the water? The sailors. But what is Jonah realizing? This is my fault. I did this. And God, you cast me into the sea. God, you did this. You see, with the kind of attitude of always pointing at somebody else and it's always somebody else's fault and not realizing we are in need, we can never fully understand grace. Because when we have an attitude of not really willing to admit that it's our fault, we don't realize we need forgiveness, we need grace, grace becomes insignificant. Grace loses its power, grace loses its worth. Jesus' death on the cross means nothing. But Jonah sees it's his fault. And he says, God, I see your hand in this. For you cast me. You cast me. To fully receive grace, we have to see how much we fall short of deserving it. To fully receive, to fully understand, to fully accept this grace, this forgiveness of God that we all need because in each of us there's this, this desire, this, this need to be fulfilled, this need to be forgiven, this need to be, to be made right. But you see, if we're always pointing at somebody else and it's never our fault, we can never be forgiven. Then Jonah continues to pray. He says, then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land where bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. So we see this Jonah. He doesn't get swallowed 
floating on top of the water like a bobber. See, Jonah sinks to the bottom. When you look at Jonah's life, it says when he made this decision, when he made the decision no longer to follow God, when he he made the decision, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. And it said in chapter 1, Nineveh is where the presence of God is. Nineveh is where God's presence was. When Jonah said, I don't want to go there, it says then he went down to Joppa. He went down to the boat. He went down into the boat. And he sunk down into the depths of the sea. You see this path. You see this, this life, this, these choices and what happens. You see this path of, of what's going on in Jonah. He goes down and down and down. And sometimes for many of us, we don't ever see how great God's grace is until we've hit the bottom. And that's what happens with Jonah here. See, Jonah gets to this point. He realizes it's his fault, and that's an important thing. You see, we might be able to admit it's our fault, but how many of us try to fix it? How many of us try to fix and solve our own problems? We try to, okay, you know what? It's my fault, but I got this, God. I'll fix it. And then what do we do? We, we pick up these chains. God, it's my fault. I know I need your grace. And we start picking up these chains of life. I got this one. And we pull these chains. And we're like, God, don't worry about it. You see, the thing is, if, if, if we want life changed, not only do we have to admit it's our fault, but we have to admit we can't fix it. We can't fix it. That we can't fix all the things that are going on. Jonah sees this in verse 6. He sees that he can't fix it. He sees that, that this life, as it says in verse 6, he says, the, the, he says, Um, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. He says, I can't fix it. We carry these chains of life. And we try to get rid of them. We try to fix our own problems. And not only does our culture say, it's not your fault, but religion says, you can fix it. Religion says, okay, but if you work hard enough, if you read your Bible enough, if you do all these things, if you do all these things that, you know, one day God will love you more, one day society will accept you, if you do all these things, then this will happen for you. But the, the problem is religion will never fix you, only grace and Jesus can. Did you know that, that the, the et, et, etymology, etymology, that's the study of where words originated. I don't know if I can even say that word correctly, but the etymology of the word religion, do you know what it is? Re means to redo or to do again. Ligion means to bind or to pick up. So what does religion mean? You can look up the dif- dictionary definition. You can be like, okay, but Jeremiah, that's not what the dictionary says. It says it's, some, it says it's a belief in a God. Yeah, but look at the original, where the, the, the word came from. It means to pick back up the things you were set free from and how many of us we do this in life you see Jonah had to come to this point he had to say okay God it's my fault you did this God and I'm realizing it's your hand and then he had to say okay God not only is it my fault but God I can't fix it the gates of hell are closing on me God I cannot get out I cannot set myself free God I cannot do anything I, I I've, I've got this God it's got to be you you see when we try to fix it when we try to make our life situation work out in our own strength It'll never work. We will carry these chains and we will drag them throughout life and it will never be what we hoped it would be. Verse 7. 
Jonah says, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pray regard those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, and what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Jonah now comes to the end of himself. You see, we all have to come to that point. Sometimes and many times in life, it's a daily thing. It's not just a once. I, my counselor said, said this to me, gave me these, these three things. He says, Jeremiah, remember this. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. He said, Jeremiah, you're, you're a preacher. You're, you're, you're a Bible teacher. Why do you pick up things you don't need to pick up? Why do you carry things you don't need to carry? Why, why do you hold these things? They're not for you to hold. He goes, remember this. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. So for you right now, say with me. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. Do you believe it, though? See, the thing is, I can say it, but do I believe it? Do I believe that God can? You see, here in Jonah, Jonah came to this point where he acknowledged that salvation is only from the Lord. It's not from anything else. It seemed like it took till he hit the bottom, the literal rock bottom, the base of the mountains in the sea. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jeremiah, that's way too much pressure. That'll crush your body. Okay, maybe it's like 25 He's like 25 feet down, okay? Who knows? I don't know how deep. I get it. I thought through all the, okay, God, wait a minute. Body pressure, like we can't handle that much. What about bends when you're going up into the fish? Like are you going to die? Like nitrogen, there's no chambers and all that. And so, yeah, I get that. Stop. The fish is only mentioned like two times in the book of Jonah. The fish isn't the main thing. The main thing is Jesus and God's love. That's the main thing. Don't get caught up on the fish. Okay? So his eyes, Jonah's eyes look past his situation, past his sin. Where do his eyes look? To the temple. Right to the temple. Do you see that in verse 7? He says, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He says it also earlier. He said it in verse 4. The temple was in mind. What happened in the temple? Do you remember what happens in the temple for the people of Israel? Sacrifice happens. What did the sacrifice mean on, on this thing that was called the mercy seat, that an animal would die once a year and its blood would be shed, and the priest would go and shed it and, and pour the blood of that, that animal onto that sacrifice where something else had to die. And that's what Jonah is looking to. He's not looking to himself. He's not looking to a situation. He's looking past that. He's looking out of the fish. He's looking beyond the sea. He's seeing to God's holy temple, and he's seeing this place where sacrifices happen, where forgiveness is being done for him. That's where his eyes go. That's where his thought goes. He sees this. But he comes to this realization, a huge realization in verse 8. You see it there? It says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. 
This is the one and only time grace is mentioned in the book of Jonah. That word steadfast love in the, in the original language means grace. So it says, for those who hold, who pay regard to vain idols, forsake their hope of grace. The King James reads like this. It reads, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You see, we can get so focused on things that we think are so good and necessary and important and they make us whole in life. We can get so focused on things that here Jonah calls vain idols. And I have a question for you, and it's going to be up here. What if the very thing you call good, God calls an idol? What if the very thing you call good, the very thing you call good, what if it's an idol? You see, Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord, not to you, not to me, not to our nation, not to another person, not to a job, but to the Lord alone. Not only does God have the right to save, but he has the ability to save. God called Jonah to go. God sent Jonah the storm. God cast Jonah into the sea. God sent the fish. God heard Jonah and answered him. You see, the Lord is salvation. That's what he does. That's what he knows. That's how he does it. Like a mechanic knows how to fix cars, and a Starbucks barista knows how to make coffee, and an HVAC tech knows how to fix your AC, which, praise the Lord for those people, right? How many of you have ever had one of those busts in the middle of the night, and you're like, oh, dear Lord, my AC's out. You call your friend, and he's like, I'll be there. Don't worry, I got you. I got your back. Praise God for our HVAC techs. But who determines what they do? They do. Their job, what they do, the skills, the things they've learned, that determines what they're good at, what they do. You see, to be able to offer salvation, you have to be a savior. So for Noah, Jonah to say the salvation belongs to you, that means he has to be a savior. He has to be able to do it. See, through this salvation, the Lord gives us this hope to be set free from these idols. You see... Jonah talks about, he says, that in that salvation, you're set free from these things. But so many of us, we go back and we pick them up. We pick them up. And we don't realize that the very idol we are holding on to, it's that it's not only, it's not helping us, but it's actually killing us little by little each and every day. That very idol that you hold on to, it's killing you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. But, the, but so many of us, we, we get free from this. God sets us free. He says, you are a child of God. Yes, I am. And then we pick up these chains again. Now imagine if every time my brother Matt goes and he's like, hey, let's, let's race. He goes, yeah, but, but don't forget, put the chain on my Tonka truck. Matt. No, that was a joke one time. Sorry for doing that. He goes, yeah, but man, I need the chain because that's what I did the first time. Hey, but Matt, that kept you from winning. See, why do we go back? I, I, that, I make that sound so ridiculous, but why do we go back to these chains? Why do we go back to holding these things? When God it says it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Paul here says, he says, Jesus set us free. Live in that freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. Called to live in freedom. But why do we pick these up? 
Why do we carry these? These chains. He says, but you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. See, so many of us, what we do is we have this freedom, we take these off, and then what we do is we pick up the chains and we start adding things to our chains. I'm going to talk about some things we add in just a little bit. And right now I ask that you would, as, you, as, you, as we get ready, as we're getting to this point, I ask that you say, okay, God, if there's anything that I am picking up, if there's things, not only have I picked up the chains, but if there's things I've added to my chains, if there's things that I've added to my bondage, God, I ask that you'd real, help me realize it and help me be set free today. I ask that you'd be praying for that right now. Because God desires to set you free. I don't know what's keeping you back. I don't know what's keeping you from living this life that God has so called you to live. But he says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The NASB says in this passage, do not give an opportunity to the flesh. You see, we all have idols that we hold on to. And many of us, we don't even realize it. We all have idols and these chains that we're dragging. Once you pick up an idol, you're forsaking grace and you're picking up your chains again. That's what you do. You're forgiven, but you pick up these chains. And that's why Paul says it is for freedom that Christ set us free because he's seeing these Christian believers that are picking up chains. They're adding this burden again. And the, one of the burdens they were adding in Galatians is they say, hey, you know what, we know you're a Christian now, but and we know you want to follow Jesus, but before you can really follow him, you need to be circumcised. Gee whiz, come on. I don't want to pick up that chain. Can you imagine picking up that chain as a 40, 50-year-old person? No way. No thank you. would be like, okay, I don't think I need Jesus that much. Sounds painful. But you see, our chains may not look like that, but our chains are so many different things, so many idols that we pick up. You see, for Jonah, his chains, his idols, that he didn't even realize he was carrying were pride and self-righteousness, that he was better than everybody else. That he deserved God's grace more than everybody else. That was Jonah's idols. Those were the chains that he had onto. I don't know what your chain. Maybe your chain is greed. Maybe your chain is your treasure. You see, I have a treasure chest right here. Maybe your chain is, I want to fill this up, and so you're going to drag it. Have you ever seen Marley and Marley and Scrooge? I mean, that's, imagine that. Some of us, we're carrying these chains in life, and we have them, and we have treasures our chain. Or maybe it's alcohol is your chain. It's your idol. It's on there. You're like, I can't quit. I can't stop. Get help. I've got a friend, he's been free from alcohol for I think eight years. And he still goes to his meetings every week. Why? Because he realizes he can't, but God can, so he's going to let him. He realizes, it's my fault I did it. Now, are there things in history and past and all that influences? Yes, but in the end, you still make the choice. He realizes, it's my fault. I can't fix it, so I'm going to get the help I need. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's your sexuality. Maybe it's a relationship that you have. Maybe your idol is your kids. Have you ever seen parents worship their kids? It's a creepy thing. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something in your past that you've made your idol. You see, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, it's your self-image, it's the scale here. 
You know, and you're always trying to fit some kind of image. You're, you're always trying to be somebody. It's, it's that mirror. You're looking going, okay, am I there yet? Am I that person? Do I, do I have the right shoes? Do I have the right clothes? Do I, do I look the right? And it becomes an idol. Maybe it's your fitness, and, and you're always trying to work out, and that, that comes first before anything, and it's your idol. I don't know what your idol is, but here's what Jonah says about it. Jonah says in verse 8, he says, those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake, they forget about, they throw away, they trash God's grace. They trash it. You see, we drag these things around everywhere and Paul says, but it is for freedom that Christ set us free. You know, these chains, you don't, these don't have to be on you anymore. These don't define you. These lists don't define you. Who are you? Like we saying, I am a child of God. That's what defines you. That's who you are. That's what makes you valuable and important. So what idols do you have in tow that Jesus says, please let go and let me set you free? Romans chapter 6 says this. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. Well then. Worship team, you can come on up. Romans chapter 6. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? You know, we look at grace and we're like, okay, I have grace so I can just, I can allow these things in my life and God will just forgive me each and every day. I'll just ask for forgiveness after I do it. I can't tell you how many times I've used that excuse. And Paul says, no, of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? What are you choosing to obey that you are picking up those chains again? Whether you believe in God or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, we are carrying chains that we could be set free from. If you believe in Jesus, you're carrying chains that you already have been set free from. If you don't believe in Jesus, you can be set free from these chains that you don't have to bear anymore. You don't have to have this. It can be gone. That was my scale. I never use it anyways. Who cares? How many of you are like, amen to dead of scales? Don't you realize that you have become a slave of whatever you obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you could choose to obey God, which leads to what? Righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you are wholeheartedly obey this teaching. We have given you. Now you are free from your, from your slavery to sin. And you have become slaves to righteous living. I don't think we always do it on purpose. I think some of us, we've been lied to society. We've been lied to culture. We've, been, we've had these things done. We, have this, we, we are stuck in this trap of life. And we don't realize that Jesus has a better one for us. I don't, re I don't think we realize that. I, don't, I, don't, I think we get so stuck in this, this trap of life. And you know, I was talking to, to uh, somebody this morning. We we're talking about how we, we get, so whether it's in debt or whatever it is, we, or, or, or health, and we think, I just can't do it. I don't have the strength. Yeah, you don't have the strength. You don't have the strength to live the life God's called you to live. You don't. And I love that my counselor said, Jeremiah, this is what you say when you're in that moment. I can't. Say it with me. I can't. God can and I'm going to let him. I can't. God can. But I'm going to let him. 
You see, that's what happens here in, Ver, in, in Romans 6. It's this idea of, I can't, but God can, and I'm going to let him. We have freedom. We can live in this. We can live it every day. We can live a free life without those chains. Don't pick them up again. Leave them here today. Leave your chains here today. Don't pick them up. Don't take them with you home. Leave them here today. I don't know what's holding you back, but leave them here today. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, his death gave us power over those sin, over those chains, over those sins, over those things that have power over us. You see, it is when Jonah said, I can't, I'm, it's my fault. When Jonah said, God, I can't fix it, I'm trapped. When Jonah said, salvation is only in you, it is in his death, in Jesus' death that we are set free, and it is in his resurrection that we have life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Read this with me on the screen right here. Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say, I'm going to live free. Say it with me. I'm going to live free. I'm going to live free. Why can you live free? Because Jesus sets you free. Live that free life now. Live the life he's called you to live. And let me tell you, it is righteous living when you do so. Let's worship. for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.